2: What's up, America? What's going on? What a week we're having. It's Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S, at Rich Valdez on all of the social media. And I am your liberty-loving Latino amigo, 17 blocks away from Madison Square Garden, New York City. And big shout-out to everybody listening on WPHT 1210, City of Brotherly Love, Philadelphia. We're going to get into some stuff on what's going on in Philadelphia in the next segment. Right now, I wanna talk about this weird stuff that's coming out of AOC, All Out Crazy, our least favorite congresswoman from the Bronx and Queens, because she put out a video and she says that there is a direct correlation between rape culture and Republicans. Now, I need you to hear this, it's about a minute, so just listen carefully to what she's talking about because it's absolutely insane. Check this out.
3: No person, no man, no person Can take your body, can ethically take your body.
2: Duh, I think we all know that, right? This is obviously a restatement of the obvious, but it gets deeper and a little bit more cringy. Listen to this. With, and use
3: it how they want without your consent. Whether, and and that is exactly what Republicans are doing right now. They are taking women's bodies and forcing them, forcing themselves upon women's bodies.
2: Hold on a second, Uh, because I I do vote Republican. Uh, I'm probably a registered Republican. I am not forcing myself on any woman's body. I just want to make that abundantly clear. AOC is a flat out liar, but listen to this.
3: Forcing their opinions, forcing their perspective on women's bodies without their consent.
2: So now I need somebody's permission to do my radio show and say, hey, look, these are my opinions. And if you happen to hear Rich Valdez on the radio or check out the podcast, oh my goodness, I am now forcing myself upon a woman's body. This is absolutely ridiculous. Go ahead, play the tape.
3: They are violating not just women, but trans people and non-binary people of course. in this country. So all these people, they're... The, these, I'm sorry, it's... it's. I have a lot of... um I'm really trying not to curse right now. <laughs> but chuckle, chuckle. they are forcing themselves on our bodies...
2: You said that already.
3: ...without our consent. And they are trying to legislate that in the law. And that is what... That is honestly the similarity between rape culture and... These horrifying anti-choice forced birth laws.
2: Direct through line. Okay, the direct through line. Just make sure you note that down. There's a direct through line for forced rape culture because this is what Supreme Court justices did (laughs) to to, to thrust themselves upon women's bodies. I mean, this is absolute craziness. I I can't imagine, other than the members of the squad, how any Democrat would say, yeah, I stand with her. 100% 100% right. They're forcing it. Now, of course, there's a few radicals out there in your Facebook page and, you know, friends that you may know that buy into this garbage. But ultimately, I mean, we have to realize this isn't even hyperbole. This is just a flat out lie. There's no Republican thrusting themselves upon any woman because the Supreme Court decided that they don't have the ability or the authority to enforce this, this uh, decision. So they reversed the decision. That's all they're saying. They're not saying what anybody can do to their body. They're just saying they can't tell you what to do with your body because this law is no good. It's not legal. It's not constitutional. But that's a video that she put out on Thursday night on Instagram. And it it blows me away. It really does. I mean, she says a lot of crazy things. But... She goes on to other things in this video. She talks about her own traumatic experiences with assault. And that, of course, look, I don't want to take that away from her. And if that's why she's behaving this way. But I guess it begs the question, do we really want to empower someone to be a legislator? And I'm not saying we shouldn't. I'm just asking a question. Do we want to empower someone to be a legislator and to have this, this big swath of power, this vast platform where they're going to say things like, politics that they don't like are akin to rape. To me, that's absolutely crazy. I don't know. What say you? I mean, to me, it sounds like she's coming from another planet. But what do I know, right? I mean, I don't know much about another planet. But the gentleman from the United States Navy Naval Intelligence, he totally knows about this. And apparently on Thursday of this week or Wednesday afternoon, there were hearings, congressional hearings on what we called UFOs but they have a more uh, fancy name from uh, something, the like Unidentified Aerial Phenomena. But I want you to listen to about a minute of this because I just thought this was interesting. UFOs are now the topic of conversation in the United States Congress. I wonder why.
1: Chairman Schiff, Chairman Carson, Ranking Member Crawford and committee members, uh, thank you very much for the opportunity to be here today to highlight the ongoing work of the Department of Defense uh, regarding unidentified aerial phenomena. Since the early 2000s, Uh, We have seen an increasing number of unauthorized and or unidentified aircraft or objects in military-controlled training areas uh, and training ranges and other designated airspace. Reports of sightings are frequent and continuing. We attribute this increase in reporting to a number of factors, including our work to destigmatize reporting, an increase in the number of new systems such as quadcopters and unmanned aerial systems that are in our airspace, uh, identification of what we can classify as clutter, mylar balloons and other types of uh, of air trash and improvements in the capabilities of our various sensors to detect things in our airspace.
2: Now, what I want to know, sir, and this is Scott Bray's deputy director of Naval Intelligence giving his testimony before Congress. What I want to know, uh, Director, Deputy Director Bray, is are these aliens? Are these our enemies? What is going on? I think everybody and their mom believes that there are aliens. Uh, I don't think it's a question of are there aliens. It's a question of did they get out of Area 51 in Roswell, New Mexico? Did they leave whatever planet or universe they come from? What is going on? Are they peeling back their masks? And are we being uh, now informed that these aliens are walking among us? And would we care? Honestly, And let me know on, on any of the social media, at Rich Valdez with an S, at Rich Valdez with an S at the end. I would love to know. If somebody tomorrow, this director, Bray, says, oh, you know what? Yes, by the way, we've had aliens here for the last 50 years. They're walking among us. They look like us, but they're like half alien, half human. They've, you know, cohabitated with some of you guys. You don't even know. How much would it shock you? Would, you, would there be protests in the streets? Would people just go, yeah, I knew it. I knew that E.T. thing was, was not just Hollywood. I have a feeling it'd be the latter. I, I don't think there would be a big uproar. But anyway, let's uh, let him finish up. It's about 30 seconds left.
1: Almost two years ago, in August of 2020, Deputy Secretary of Defense Nordquist directed the establishment of the Unidentified Aerial Phenomena Task Force within the Department uh, of the Navy. The UAP Task Force was built on the foundation of the Navy's initial efforts to respond to the reports from our aviators on unidentified objects observed in our training ranges. The basic issues then and now are twofold. First, incursions in our training ranges by unidentified objects represent serious hazards to safety of flight. In every aspect of naval aviation, safety of our air crews is paramount. Second, intrusions by unknown aircraft or objects pose potential threats to the security of our operations. Our aviators train as they would fight. So any intrusions that may compromise the security of our operations by revealing our capabilities, our tactics, techniques, or procedures uh, are of great concern uh, to the Navy and the Department of Defense.
2: Okay, so... The Department of Defense, the Navy, etc., they have a concern that their safety is at risk because they don't know who's flying over these places and who's in the sky that they're detecting. That's interesting. I mean, I find that interesting that the Navy, right, uh, naval fighter pilots, top gun, these guys don't know who's there. I would always have thought, hey, you know what, if they see them there, and there's actually a part of this, one of the congressmen says, if you see these people... Uh, can you like Mayday, Mayday? Can you get out of our airspace? Get, you know, can you walkie-talkie them? And and the guy responds, you know, they don't they don't talk back to us. You know, he's kind of tongue in cheek here. And if I have that piece of audio, I'll, I'll play it for you. But. It was funny. It was funny because it kind of comes across as, these are aliens, sir. It's a flying saucer. He plays the video. Nobody seems to know what's going on. In in one of the, the shaky videos that they show, there's a small object that looks to zip past a military pilot. In another video, there's a similar photo that's taken at a different time. And then there's glowing triangles seen in the night sky. So clearly, this is the stuff that our science fiction, these are... Military leaks? Is that what's going on? We we actually have this information and then Hollywood gets it, makes a movie, tries to get people accustomed. I don't know. I'm, I'm not trying to be a conspiracy theorist. I'm just thinking it's very interesting to hear this uh, entire testimony. And if I had all day and I didn't have just an hour minus commercials, which is about 41, 42 minutes, I would actually jump right into this and do the whole show on it because I really do find it interesting. But some of you may not. And I don't want to you know beat you over the head with this stuff on this beautiful Uh, Saturday afternoon. So what we're going to do is we're going to stop right here. We're going to come right back because I want to jump into some other stuff. Not only are there aliens in the sky, but it seems like sometimes there's aliens in the classrooms. Philadelphia, listen to this. We've got teachers that are now encouraging uh, sexual exploration in school. Now, that doesn't sound very kosher to me, but we're going to get to the bottom of that right now, straight ahead. Don't move a muscle. I am Rich Valdez. This is America.
4: Explore the Nissan lineup of SUVs and crossovers featuring Rogue, Rogue Sport, Kicks, Murano, Pathfinder, and Armada. Visit one of our two Nissan locations or shop online at woodhouse.com.
1: At Firehouse Subs, a portion of every purchase helps provide life-saving equipment to first responders. We make our subs differently because our subs can make a difference every day. That's why we're bringing back our daily medium sub special. Enjoy a different handcrafted medium sub at a special price for every day of the week. From Meatball Monday to Italian Sunday. Get it for a limited time, only at Firehouse Subs. Tap the banner now to start your pickup order.
0: This is America.
1: He's brown, he's bald, and he's breaking it down. This is America with Rich Valdez.
2: All right, America, welcome back. Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S, at Rich Valdez on all of the social media. And I want to talk about what's going on with these Philly schools. But this is a bigger problem overall that we've been uh, encountering as a society across the country is these uh, radical usually leftist teachers that are part of the woke mob that want to have your kids really doubt themselves confusing your children into thinking that they should be something other than they are something that you know are you a boy maybe you should consider being a girl are you a girl maybe you're a boy maybe that why should you be limited to being a girl or a boy come on Tommy come on little Susie why, why would you do that? Don't put Nobody puts baby in a corner. It's now, don't put me in a box. Don't put me in the binary box. But here's a headline from the New York Post, and there's some audio I want to play for this as well. Philly schools reportedly encouraged teachers to attend a trans-sex conference. And obviously, this is how they teach children, and they teach them how to teach children in these conferences. Now, this stuff was blown up uh, in the media a while back, back in July 2021, when the conference happened, when uh, Christopher Rufo got this information and he went out there and he's done a, n- a number of articles and a lot of interviews on this, uh, but this is coming to light again. And it's because the Philadelphia school district's diversity office reportedly encouraged its teachers to attend that transgender conference where they were exposed to explicit presentations about kinky sex, masturbation, and adult toys. No bueno, right? Well, listen to this. Here's a clip of it
4: here that it's a big boy this is like gigantic all right give me give me two hours alone and i'll get this in my butt you know
2: (laughs) now this is really eye-opening stuff but this was part of the transgender conference that was in philly people had to pay to go to this anywhere between 200 and 300 dollars And these shocking clips
4: uh, were revealed by Gruffo listen to this the feeling in terms of like the inside of a penis all right and now a pack and play is going to be a prosthetic that you can use for sex but you can also pack with it when you're not having sex
2: that's crazy i, I don't even know what to say here
0: i just feel like yelling you're security in the chat i'm going to start to show some of the ones on my screen so we have bits We have any, an outie, front hole, junk, goodies, package.
2: Wow. It's unclear how many teachers took part in this uh, conference from Philadelphia School District. But it's alarming nonetheless. Right now, this is, in my opinion, this shouldn't be something that teachers are being taught in order to teach children. Why would you send your kid, your children, your son, your daughter... Why would you send them to school so they could learn about these disgusting things that if if anything, if they're not disgusting, let's just say you're a huge fan of these toys. Shouldn't that be reserved for adults? Right. When I was a kid, I remember there was those taboo stores or that section of the video store and nobody was allowed in there because you had to have I.D. and whatnot. Uh, I guess times have changed. Now it's your teacher bringing that stuff right to you. Middle school, high school. who, Who cares? These are still minor kids. In my opinion, this whole thing is absolutely insane. But this is where we've landed on this. And it doesn't stop there. I mean, this continues because these are just the stories that are being revealed that we know about. Think about all the things that we don't know about, right? I mean, to me, it's just scary. And interestingly enough, everything is done under the banner of diversity and equity and inclusion, saying that they have to create an environment that's inclusive, And that's what this does. These sessions, again, included discussions of gender reassignment surgery with a surgeon saying he would consult with patients as young as 10 years old. Other discussion was about sex toys and sex after gender realignment surgery. They also discussed other fetishes and whatnot. As much as I read these types of stories, it never gets any easier to read. And this forced introduction to sexuality and sexual activity coming from the government, coming from the public school, isn't the, uh, the end of it. I mean, there's more wokeness and insanity that goes along with this. There's one teacher uh, or one, I should say, licensed therapist that explains why losing weight is actually fat phobic. So they go into body issues to make you either love your body if it's unhealthy or hate it or whatever. I'm not sure exactly, but I want you to hear this.
0: So I figured that this question would probably come up sometime soon, just because of the video and the topics that I cover, but let's break this one down. So intentional weight loss, so you purposely saying, I want to lose 20 pounds, is fatphobic. And you might be like, what? Oh my goodness, I'm not trying to be fatphobic, but you are, you're being fatphobic to yourself. Why do you want to lose 20 pounds? it's probably to fit into something smaller. It's probably so people treat you better. It's probably to be healthy, maybe
2: because you can get diabetes, you can get cancer, you can get a whole bunch of things. This is coming from a guy. I weighed almost 300 pounds. I got down to 199 pounds. Took me quite a while to get there. Uh, And I've gained back about 25 pounds in that journey. So I got to get back on my horse. But point is, Losing weight is about good health. It's not about fitting into, yeah, that's a byproduct of it. You fit into a suit nicer, you buy a couple of nicer shirts, but you've got to be kidding me, lady. Anyway, play the tape.
0: For all the reasons that fat folks are shamed, simply for being fat. So by continuing to perpetuate that, right, seeking intentional weight loss, we are contributing to our fat phobic society.
2: How about how about shut up, lady? How about we do this? How about you lose weight and you contribute towards your health and longevity and a better life and a better blood pressure and a better blood sugar and a better just overall health situation? Because wellness is key. Now, this woman looks like she might be a little bit overweight, but she's not a fat person per se. From what I could see, it's only like a headshot and she's got chubby cheeks and a little bit of extra roll around the neck. So, I mean, she could afford to lose 10 or 15 pounds. And I'm not trying to be rude. I'm just trying to be descriptive because we're on the radio. The bottom line here is we shouldn't confuse people and, and make it bad, but that's what they're doing. Check this one out. The University of Illinois, Chicago, wants to cancel the word obesity. Because why? Because it's racist. Isn't this crazy? They don't want people to feel ostracized because they have larger bodies. The woke police are coming for the term obesity. Again, this is a clinical term right? Obesity, morbid obesity. These are things doctors use to describe you're going to drop dead because this is why people died from COVID. So in effect, they're perpetuating the main reason for death of COVID. And now they want to erase that because, oh, it's racist if you say that. University of Illinois Chicago's School of Public Health published an article by a dietitian claiming the medical term is racist and should be replaced by the wordy term people with larger bodies, which is BS, right? We learned about that as kids. We're not big boned. You're fat. I mean, how many times you got to say it? I could say it in English and Spanish. Anyway, the author, Amanda Montgomery, she's a registered nurse. She argues that race scientists used fatness and differing body characteristics to classify black people as less civilized and as a way to justify slavery, racism, classism and to control women. According to her health brief, uh, brief entitled addressing weight stigma and fat phobia in public health. Now, even if that were true, which I'm pretty sure it is, I'm pretty sure there was somebody somewhere saying, like Margaret Sanger, you don't want this person. They have a larger buttocks, they have larger lips, they have a wider nose. But guess what? Welcome to the party. The guy talking right here, right? Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S. I have a very wide nose. My lips are larger than most because there's African blood that runs through my body. That's what Puerto Rico is. It's this synergy of uh, Spanish-European, the indigenous Taino tribe, and Africans from the slave trade. So, I mean, there's a there's a lot of mixed roots that come from the West Indies, all over the West Indies, for that matter, in the Caribbean. So with that being said, it's ridiculous to suggest that people may have preferences and prefer more European look or more African look. Some guys like the Kim Kardashian booty, which definitely has African roots, even if she's Armenian, because you know J-Lo, this has become a status symbol to have a uh, extra posterior, right? A little derriere is helping a lot of people succeed in Hollywood. So the question becomes... What is the deal here? Just because they may have said that's not healthy back then, that definitely changed, especially when you look at Europeans. European women tend to be curvier as well. So I, I think these are very outdated ideas that became, um, you know, something that people talk about now, but they're not the case. I mean, there's nothing but uh, people that are constantly in the gym doing squats, trying to get more uh, more rump in, in their uh, posterior. So... I I just don't get it. I think they're full of it when they say this stuff. But this is what they're talking about. They say that obesity is defined by the World Health Organization as having a body mass index over 30. And now they want to change this because they think it's uncool and it's racist. Anyway, I'll put this out so that you can see it. Obviously, this stuff, obesity leads to type 2 diabetes, early death, and other things that they're talking about, and they're quoting the Center for Disease Control. I will uh, tweet the article out so that you guys can read it, the whole thing. I just find it interesting that this is how the woke mob is behaving. And when the woke mob goes in one direction, we the people have to go in another. Don't move a muscle, Philly. I'm still here with you till the end of the hour. We have two more segments coming up, and I want to get to a bunch of other stuff. I am Rich Valdez. This is America.
4: This is America. Woodhouse Nissan offers a variety of SUVs and crossovers to fit your lifestyle. Whether you're looking for an SUV with high towing capability or a crossover with all-wheel drive, you can expect a variety of safety features, plenty of seating, ample cargo space, and innovative design to tackle virtually any adventure. Explore the Nissan lineup of SUVs and crossovers featuring Rogue, Rogue Sport, Kicks, Murano, Pathfinder, and Armada. Visit one of our two Nissan locations or shop online at woodhouse.com.
2: In times like these, it's so important that we focus on the facts. I always tell you to focus on the facts. I think you hear that everywhere you go, and that's because facts are irrefutable. It's the bottom line. It's the real deal. And in times like this of uncertainty, we need to rely on the facts. I get my facts from JustFacts.com That's F-A-C-T-S JustFacts.com Go to JustFacts.com and sign up for their newsletter JustFacts.com forward slash rich Just put my name in there and you'll get it for free JustFacts.com slash rich
1: The 45th President Donald Trump thinks it's an honor to speak with Rich Valdez Oh, Very good, Mr. Call Screener It's yeah. an honor, thanks Rich The honor is all yours. Conservative talk with a dash of sofrito. Now, here's Rich Valdez.
2: All right, America, welcome back. Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S. At Rich Valdez on all of the social media. Welcome back, welcome back, welcome back. And uh, during the week, there was some uh, controversial footage from Mars where people were saying it looked like there was a doorway that had uh, been revealed in one of the photos. And it did, in fact, look like a doorway. Now, Honestly, if you've ever seen any of the movies that come out around Easter time, it kind of looked like when they uh, moved the, the big rock out of the way of Jesus's uh, tomb in the cave there. Uh, it's kind of what it looked like. But other crazy things that are going on here, besides the NASA footage capturing the quote-unquote doorway, uh, is uh, dinosaur bones. They sold for $12 million. If we have time at the end, I'll get to that because, you know, I love the crazy stories. Um, Plus, some Johns Hopkins uh, University students, they invented edible tasty tape to keep their burritos together. So tape, you can tape your burrito. Reminds me of an old saying. My dad was a real simple guy. He would say, you know, if something broke, he would say, mira, ponle tape o ponle un clavo. Y ya. And that was it. <laughs> Either put some tape or put a nail in it, and that's it. He was a uh, he was a really great guy. My dad. Anyway, I learned so much from him about the simplicity of life. He grew up on a farm and taught me a lot. And there's a few other things I want to talk about. What's going on? Uh, Kathy Barnett did not squeeze out a victory uh, despite the big push, and she made a tremendous showing. If we can get her book for the show, I will. I'd love to get uh, her um, opinion on, or not, not her opinion, her backstory on how she gained so much momentum so quickly towards the end of the campaign there. And it's still a toss-up. They're going to court, uh, Dr. Oz and Dave McCormick. Um, I've spoken with both of these guys multiple times in the day job, and uh, both solid guys, in my opinion. I know some people want to kill each other over these guys, but uh, I think either of them will do a good job representing Pennsylvania. But what do I know? Anyway. I want to get into something else because I think it's safe to say that transgenderism and the drag queen culture have become normal in today's society, even amongst younger generations with the drag queen story time at local libraries and whatnot. And to normalize any type of bad behavior, it, you have to do that from the inside out. That change, like even if you're changing an institution, You have to change it from its very roots, from the very core, by changing the bylaws and how they view things. That's exactly what transgender activists did in the mental health world, in the medical community, when they uh, changed the DSM-5 and changed the way doctors and and clinical professionals looked at transgenderism, uh, gender dysphoria. Well, now they're pushing this notion that pedophilia isn't as bad as we think. And I thought... Hit the brakes. This is not good. And that we should somehow take a look at these individuals as minor attracted persons or maps. And we talked about this before, but there's new stuff on it, not as criminals. So where would, um, I guess, uh, a professor put this? Like, where would they put this in their in their syllabus? Well, there is that one professor that we talked about a while back that believes that pedophiles are not monsters, but instead they're simply attracted to, to younger people that happened to not be of legal age of majority. So where would you put them? You put him at the head of the Center for Child Abuse because that's where that professor that we talked about a while back, that's where they ended up. And non-binary professor Alan Walker, who made headlines last summer for saying that pedophiles uh, were not guilty of any crimes and shouldn't be viewed as criminals. Well, he's back. Listen to this. The pedophile-defining prof hired by Johns Hopkins Center for Prevention of Child Abuse is now the head of it. This is in the post-millennial. Unbelievable. A disgraced pedophile-defending professor and author has been hired by Johns Hopkins to work in the Child Sex Abuse Center. Alan Walker, a non-binary, uh, excuse me, non-binary author who defended pedophiles as minor attracted persons, was forced to resign from Old Dominion back in November after an interview that he did on Prostasia, a group that advocates the destigmatization of pedophiles. Now, we brought that to you uh, right here on WPHT a while back and on This Is America. If you don't remember that, Pedophiles is in the title of that episode. Walker is slated to begin with his new work as a postdoctoral fellow at the storied Baltimore University beginning on May 24th and will be working to prevent child sex abuse. So the guy who doesn't think anything of it He's back. From the uh, college's official statement, quote, we are excited to share that Alan Walker, PhD, will be joining the Moore Center as a postdoctoral fellow on May 25th, the Moore Center for Prevention of Child uh, Child Sexual Abuse, said in their statement. And, of course, there was uh, the usual uh, outrage on Twitter and what's going on, people saying, what the heck, blah, blah, blah. The Moore Center is a research center that creates, through rigorous science, a public health approach to preventing child sexual abuse. I'll translate. We hire people that believe that pedophiles are not bad people and are not criminals and are just minor attracted people. That's what's happening at the Walker Center, excuse me, the Moore Center, where Professor Walker is going to be in charge. The late great Bob Grant would say, it's sick and getting sicker, folks. Now, keeping with that theme momentarily, this is an interesting story here. Huffington Post Wife frames husband by planting child sexual abuse images on his phone. This is according to the police. Two women in Oklahoma were arrested after police uncovered an alleged plot to win a child custody battle by planting graphic images of children on the father's phone. Lacey Huck's, 33 years old, conspired with her friend Angel Moore, 44 years old, to plant more than 800 images of child sexual abuse on an old phone of Huck's. Uh, which is her her husband's, that is, according to police, saying, quote, it was a big plot. Yeah, I bet it was. To take the time to find all these screenshots, you know, it's very disturbing. Very, very disturbing. Both women have been charged with conspiracy and knowingly reporting a false crime. Ms. Hux also faces an additional charge of aggravated possession of child porn images. Well, good for them. I'm glad they got caught. Kudos and good on the sheriff for catching them. It's so true what Reagan said, right? I think I talked about it last time, but I'll say it again. If we ever forget that we're one nation under God, then we will become one nation gone under. That's the late, great Ronald Reagan, Ronaldus Magnus. Anyway, keep it locked right there. Straight ahead, there's more to come. We're going to do our wrap-up and cover a couple more topics. Plus, join me on Sunday morning, Sunday morning, 6 a.m. right here, Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. We're going to continue our uh, weekend wrap-up of what happened during the week and all the craziness that's going on. And um, join me on Monday and Tuesday. I'm going to be bringing you some new information uh, on the Sussman trial, what's going on with that, a lot of things to report on. But we'll be right back. Rich Valdez, this is America.
0: This is America.
1: This is America. Para Inglés, oprima el número dos. Para Rich Valdez. Y esto es America. Ahora.
2: All right, America, welcome back. Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S, at Rich Valdez on all of the social media. And a lot of uh, things I want to talk about. I want to talk about this Hillary Clinton lawyer trial. Michael Sussman, he was uh, charged by the FBI. And and the story is a little convoluted. I'm sure you know it, but I'm just going to give you a little recap. You know, back in 2016, he goes to his friend in the FBI, Michael Sussman. He says, let me call my buddy James Baker. And uh, he sends him a text message. He says, hey, look, I got some information that I want to share with you. Uh, regarding the Trump campaign, I think they're colluding with Russians on a backdoor deal with the Kremlin, uh, with some bank named Alpha Bank, so I want to give you some information that we've uncovered. Now, mind you, he's uncovered it because he hired the guy, the tech guy, to create this whole thing. It's a fabrication. And he says, look, I'm not here representing any client, but he's on a retainer for Hillary Clinton, and his boss, Mark Elias, is working with Fusion GPS. So the whole thing is concocted. A matter of fact, in testimony in federal court on Friday, uh, I think his name's Ryan Mook. He's the uh, campaign manager for Hillary Clinton back then. He says, no, we ran this by Hillary. She um, she approved it. Now, we don't know air quotes. We don't know if she didn't know that it was fake, phony fraud, like uh, the late great Bob Grant would say, or if she just said, yeah, I approve you guys taking this to the media and putting it out there. Um that part we don't know just yet, or at least I didn't read that part yet, whether she knew this was going to the FBI or not. But she then, when she goes to the media, she says, we should alert the authorities. The The, the federal government needs to know what's going on. They need to pay attention to this because this is a big deal. Trump is colluding with Russians, you see. So that's where they um, they they set this thing up. But it turns out that when they get to court, Sussman um, He's thinking, you know, look, I wasn't there. I was there as a good citizen. I'm just here trying to help the Bureau. His text saying, Jim, it's Michael Sussman. I have something time sensitive and sensitive I need to discuss. Do you have availability for a short meeting tomorrow? I'm coming on my own, not on behalf of a client or company. Want to help the Bureau. Thanks. Attorney for the FBI, James Baker, he says, okay, I will find a time. What might work for you? Anytime but lunchtime, you name it. Two o'clock at my office, do you have a badge or do you need help getting in the building? I have a badge. Please remind me of your room number. So look at that. It's easy for him to get in. He just gets in. He's got his own badge. That's how uh, close these guys are. So he goes and he says that uh, Alpha Bank is a Russian bank is working with Trump, but yada, 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 yada. Well, it turns out that the... uh, Special counsel, Durham says, well, you know what, this this doesn't smell right because you as a lawyer should know, especially a lawyer with a badge. Now, he didn't say that. I'm adding that. But he says, you as a lawyer, you should know that guess what? This whole thing doesn't, uh, doesn't work that way. You don't come and bring this information that you actually know is false and then pretend like you weren't here on behalf of a client when you're on retainer for a client. But there's a quick news report I want to play for you to uh, encapsulate some of this. Listen to this.
3: Fox News alert on the trial of former Clinton campaign lawyer Michael Sussman. Hillary Clinton's 2016 campaign manager Robbie Mook testified today that Clinton herself approved the idea of giving the Alpha Bank story to a reporter. As part of the Trump-Russia narrative, as you'll remember, that suggested that there were connections between Alpha Bank and the Trump campaign server. The FBI looked into that and found nothing suspicious. David Spunt is live outside the federal courthouse in Washington with more. David.
1: Hi, Kaylee. Good afternoon. Uh, There was a little bit of surprise in the courtroom when Robbie Mook, the 2016 Hillary Clinton campaign manager, just answered a question casually that she personally approved, uh, sending that story to the media. As you mentioned, it deals with an allegation or an accusation about the Trump organization, not the Trump campaign, but the Trump organization, having a back channel to a Russian bank named Alpha Bank, which has some ties to the Kremlin, some Russian oligarchs. Uh, that are close with Vladimir Putin. So to give everyone a little bit of a backstory uh, on this story, because it is complicated. There are a lot of twists and turns. Hillary Clinton had a campaign attorney named Michael Sussman. He is on trial right now behind me in federal court because. All right.
2: I think I went over a lot of that. I wanted to give you the update that Hillary Clinton herself. She knows, in fact, that this was approved by her. And that's what we have to get to the bottom of right now. We don't know how much of this she actually knew, how much she didn't know. But we do know that she approved it because Robbie Mook under oath said, oh, no, she knew. We went we ran it by her. And the only other people that knew were Mark Elias, Michael Sussman, Jennifer Palmieri, the uh, communications person, and now NSA advisor to President uh, Biden, Jake Sullivan who was their policy advisor in the 2016 campaign. So, and again, we, we knew some of that as well uh, before, but now it's come out in court, and that's why we're talking about it today. So it's a very interesting set of events that's happened here because the uh, former FBI lawyer, in effect, buried this guy. He really didn't do any, any help or service to his friend, even though he said that that was his friend. The lawyers tried to get a mistrial, and that didn't work either. So... It's going to be interesting to see how this continues to unfold. This was as of Friday, but basically saying that he was and this is, again, uh, James Baker saying that regarding Michael Sussman, he's 100 percent confident that Sussman denied acting on behalf of any particular client when he handed over this debunked information. And he's got it in writing on that text, which he happened to find when Durham pressured him. Now, uh, these guys were saying, look, uh, you know, he, when he says he wasn't there on behalf of a client, but he he was on retainer, you know, he's not really lying. That lie doesn't really amount to anything because it doesn't change the substance of what's going on. It's not material wrong again, because it was because they thought that he was acting as a good, you know, uh, Samaritan, a, a citizen that was concerned that they even took the meeting, at least that's what he said on the stand. He said, yeah, I'm 100% sure that I would not have met with him if he told me he was here for Hillary because he was giving me dirt on Trump and Hillary was running against Trump and we don't politicize the agency, the FBI. So uh, it it did not help his case at all today. So we're going to see how this thing continues to play out. I also wanted to uh, mention this uh, tweet or pair of tweets that I sent out this week. And some people were up in eyebrows thinking, hey, what happened to Rich? Did he uh, become one of those woke lefties? No, it wasn't that. And I basically, I wanted to uh, test out a a false equivalency and see how people responded to it. And I basically put something like, if Americans gave $471 billion last year to charity or their church or whatever, um, should they then be donating, should they have donated that money instead to help alleviate this shortage of baby formula? And the responses were mixed. Some people were saying, you know, a lot of people just once they read donation or church, they stayed there. They didn't keep reading and they just started telling me about what their church did and how their church does this and what type of ministries they're involved in. And others went on to say, uh, yeah, absolutely. You know, if you instead of giving to the church, you should give to uh to, to baby formula. Uh then others saying, look, it's not a question of should we be giving money for baby formula because there's no baby formula to buy, which I think is a better way of looking at it. Uh, but then ultimately there was one or two people that came in and said, one has nothing to do with the other, right? I give money because I feel like giving money or I pay tax because I have to pay tax. And, uh, whether it's baby formula or a border wall, the, the responsibility lies in different places. Right? It's the parent's responsibility to buy this. It's the government's responsibility to make sure you don't shut down the <laughs> baby formula factory and then never reopen it so that we fall into this problem. So I just wanted to see where it went because I know a lot of times when people read something that sparks an emotional response for them, that's where it ends for them. And they don't care to look at things more logically. And I was really just testing it. Am I just heartless and look at everything logically as opposed to emotionally? And it was really interesting to, to see how they turned out. But the reality of, of what I was – my intent was that one had nothing to do with the other. So if I said, hey, look, should you be giving the money that you donate to your church to Baby Formula or should you be giving the money that you're giving to your favorite charity to build a border wall? both of them are are non-starters because one has nothing to do with the other. If you want to donate to a border wall, you should voluntarily from your money. If the the government is taking your money through taxes, then you have an expectation to these services and how you, you know, address the, that grievances, you know, the redress of grievances is up to you. But, I just wanted to see that. And there was quite a few emotional responses, people that were a little bit upset with me. And how dare you? You know, one person said, who are you to talk about how people invest their money in church? And why is it radical to do that? And I was like, I never said it was radical. It's amazing how when people read something, they take it a certain way and they add words and they they add their own feeling and emotion to it, which I just thought was very interesting. So I wanted to share that with you because I thought it was... Just a, an eye-opening thing, because we have to beware of false equivalencies. We have to beware of, of syllogisms, you know, where we add something like a little sandwich of truth and lies. And these false equivalencies in particular came to mind because uh, the great one, Mark Levin, mentioned something on the radio about, you know, $40 billion for Ukraine. And, you know, what does that have to do with the border? Because, you know, the rhetoric during the week was we're giving $40 billion to Ukraine, yet our, our border is a mess. So they're trying to protect their borders, but we can't protect ours. And as if one had to do with the other. And the reality was if you gave the money or you didn't give the money, the border remains the same because the border is the fault of Joe Biden. We don't have a money problem at the border. We have a Biden problem at the border. So that being said... I said, you know, let me test this out and see how it goes, because ultimately it's Biden that changed the asylum laws and weakened them and softened them and made sure that he's allowing every last person in and we're not stopping them. What else did he do? He's eliminated the remain in Mexico, the TPP protocol. So what happens instead of remaining in Mexico? Now they come straight into the United States and it's up to us to deal with them and feed their children and do whatnot uh, that we have to do. So. I figured, let me just test this out because ultimately, yeah, they're coming into the country, quote unquote, illegally. But is it how illegal is it? If Biden is the one saying, come on in and, you know, send a thousand, we'll send, you know, a hundred back. Ultimately, it seems like Biden's got the back door open and he's waving everybody in and he said, no, 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 relax, asylum laws. And until we enforce the laws that we actually have on the books, we're going to be in bad shape. this is why I said we have to pay attention to things and we have to think logically and we have to stand for something because if we stand for nothing, we will fall for absolutely anything. And the only thing necessary for evil to triumph is for good people like you to sit there and do nothing. So don't do nothing, do something. Now's the time, do whatever you gotta do because it's important that we stand up for what we believe in. And just a reminder, Make sure you check me out every Saturday at noon right here on 1210 Talk Radio WPHT, as well as Sunday mornings at 6 a.m., giving you the scoop before any of the Sunday shows does. Hasta la próxima. Until the next time, America, I am Rich Valdez, and this is America.
0: This is America.